If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, this is episode 139 of the Leading Learning Podcast, and it features a conversation with Corbin Ball, a speaker, consultant, and writer with 20-plus years' experience running international technology meetings. He helps clients worldwide use technology to save time and improve productivity. But before diving into this conversation with Corbin Ball, we want to acknowledge our sponsor for the second quarter of 2018. And that sponsor is Review My LMS, a collaboration between our company, Tagoras, and 100 Reviews. As the name suggests, Review My LMS is a site where users can share and access reviews of learning management systems. And the focus is specifically on systems that are a good fit for learning businesses, meaning organizations that market and sell lifelong learning. If you contribute a review, you get access to all existing and future reviews, and there are already more than 100 on the site. And if you don't have a review to contribute, there's a subscription option. For details, check out ReviewMyLMS.com. For our resource for this episode, we're going to point you to the Tagoras Virtual Events Report, as virtual conferences are something Salisa and Corbin discuss. We're currently in the process of running a new survey and will be issuing a new edition of the report in the fall of 2018. But for now, you can access the previous report, which is chock full of data about how organizations are and aren't using virtual conferences. To get access, visit the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 139. Now, Salisa, give listeners a preview of what you and Corbin talked about. Well, as you already mentioned, Corbin and I talk about virtual conferences and we get into their major benefits and limitations. We also talk about virtual and augmented reality. And I know we've talked about AR and VR with other podcast guests, but Corbin's perspective is a little different. He works primarily at the intersection of technology and meetings. And so he talks specifically about the impact of virtual and augmented reality on meetings and events. I'd say in general, his focus um, on meetings sort of flavors all of his comments and observations a little bit and makes his perspective a little different from, you know, one more singularly focused on learning. And I think it can always be edifying to shift our viewpoint a little bit. Well, I've heard Corbin's name on a, a number of occasions because we do obviously bump up against the event world quite a bit with what we do. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Let's go ahead and roll this conversation with Corbin Ball. Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I'm joined by Corbin Ball. Corbin is a highly acclaimed international speaker, consultant, and writer, and he helps clients worldwide use technology to save time and improve productivity. He has more than 20 years' experience running international technology meetings. His work has appeared in hundreds of national and international publications publications, and he's been recognized as one of the 25 most influential people in the meetings industry five times by Successful Meeting and Meeting News Magazine. So Corbin, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks, Alyssa. It's a pleasure to be with you. So to start us off, since my introduction was uh, an abbreviated version of your many years of work, um, what else would you have listeners know about yourself and what you do? 
I, um, my background has been in technology as a meeting planner, but I think the last 20 years I've been working full-time as a meetings technology analyst. I, I'm an independent analyst. I've never made a cent of sale on any technology product, so I, uh, I hope to give as unbiased of opinions as I can uh, based on that. Uh, uh, the whole area of meetings, trade show, uh, technology, convention technology, th those are my focuses, all um, all aspects of technologies within those fields. Well, great. And I'm sure there are many people who can uh, who need and can benefit from that independent perspective that you bring. Um, and so you're working at this intersection of technology and meetings um, and, and you know, meetings and technology, of course, can be used for a variety of, of purposes. But since this is the Leading Learning Podcast, I'd like to focus on the use of technology and meetings to support and provide learning opportunities. And, and so maybe just to start things off, you know, what do you see as the relationship between technology and meetings and learning? And in the work that you do, are meetings primarily tied to learning? Yes, I, I I think so. The just on the fundamental basis, the, the uh, traditionally the two reasons why people go to events are networking and education or learning, and so those are the driving forces of bringing people there. With, with the rapid pace of change, job skills get quickly outdated, and uh, and what we've learned in college is obsolete in a few years. And meetings are one of the primary means of education for the industrialized world, and I. Uh, and I, I see that as a, a major component. Technology, when used properly, can assist in that learning process and increase retention. Uh, uh, but the uh, uh, meetings themselves are a very important means of education around the world. Well, and so I know that one of the areas you've given attention to is, is virtual meetings. Um, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what you see as the major benefits of virtual uh, events and, and their major limitations, uh, too. And maybe, again, kind of especially with that, that learning lens on it, you know, what do virtual events kind of make possible that really helps with the learning and what um, do they perhaps limit in terms of, of learning, if anything? Uh, sure. Uh, virtual events and online learning play, I think, a, a very important role in learning and in ed education. Webinars and other virtual meetings are a great source for short information exchange, and their strengths are they are typically much less expensive. Uh, many of the tools are free, and they do not require travel, as to, uh, uh, unlike face-to-face -face events. However, in today's multitasking and often distracted work environment, attention spans are short. And um, I think my general rule of thumb is about 35 to 45 minutes is maybe an hour is the maximum that you can expect someone to pay attention uh, to a webinar, for example, while sitting in front of a monitor. Uh, meetings, on the other hand, uh, take place, people to a more focused environment with fewer distractions. Uh, as long as attendees are informed and entertained and fed, event hosts can keep them engaged for days. Uh, at the minimum, we at least share a contract or at least look like we're paying attention at events. And, uh, and so the opportunities for networking and brainstorming and relationship building are, are far greater at a face-to-face -face event than online. Um, I think that's the power of meetings. They provide a, a vastly richer, more targeted, and more focused uh, learning experience 
than most virtual meetings. Although, as I mentioned, virtual meetings for short information exchange is a, a, is a really important vehicle as well. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I got a little distracted there. Could you repeat that? No, sorry, just kidding. Um, yeah, I totally agree that uh, the the distraction um, factor for virtual things can be serious. But uh, I mean, I like what you're saying uh, in terms of though they still have a, a, a role to play, and particularly if you are aware of that distraction factor and sort of um, compensate for it by by having perhaps a, a shorter duration. You know, I I know you've of course been also following technology for virtual meetings, so it. You know, it seems to me that kind of the, the technology that has supported virtual events has gotten a lot better uh, over the years. Um, in terms of the technology, though, you know, from your standpoint as kind of this independent analyst, you know, what, what changes have you noticed around the, the technology that supports these virtual meetings? Well, I think that webinars and webcasting and multi-point video conference systems are well-established and reliable. And and the good news is many of them are quite inexpensive and some of them are free to use. Uh, uh, they have become a mainstay. I think that they are, uh, in terms of adoption phase, are, we're well into the mainstream adoption. Uh, uh, many people use that as one means of getting information. And I think it's, uh, in my experience, I usually do 10 or 15 webinars a year. And uh, uh, the reliability factor is excellent these days. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's certainly changed a lot just in the, the decade or so that I've really been tuned in and making use. Um, so, you know, you, you started talking about it there in terms of, you know, you, you think that sort of the adoption curve for virtual meetings is, is pretty high at this point. Um, and, and so do you see that we're kind of at saturation or do you think there's still kind of room for, for more uh, adoption and for others to sort of c- come along kind of uh, w- where would you say we are? I think that the uh, uh, I think the benefit for especially online learning modules, uh, on demand learning, is huge. I think that the uh, um, I think that it will eventually transform education at all levels as we know it, and so that it uh, the um, ability it's not going to eliminate face to face education. In fact, face to face education in in schools and universities at meetings are are still a really important factor. But um, the approach that we have had in the past for kind of the didactic sage on the stage or a lecturer um, is changing. It's uh, uh, transforming to instead of a you know dispenser of information, it is a the speakers are becoming facilitator, facilitators of learning. And uh, the same, I think, in, is going to happen in uh, um, education at all levels as well. And so I think there's a great opportunity for uh, learning modules that are going to be focused specifically on individuals' needs, going to be based using artificial intelligence and responses on on where they're at and what their learning styles are. There's There are great opportunities for development in those areas. Well, and, and so I know now as we're sort of maybe pivoting with that to some of the, the more um, kind of edge technologies, I know you've been thinking and speaking about the impact of virtual reality and augmented reality on events. Um, so what are your thoughts on the major benefits and limitations of VR and AR at this point? And, and again, you know, to the extent that you um, can, can sort of bring the view of, of the impact on learning, that would be great as well. 
Sure, sure. Uh, the uh, handle them separately. Uh, VR is immersive multimedia is, I think, the closest thing that we have to the Star Trek tol- holodeck, mm-hmm. and it's going to get better all the time. Um, it can present information in a completely new perspective, and will it will likely have, I think, a significant impact on learning. However, we are still in the very early adoption phase. The, the major com- tech companies, Google and Microsoft and Facebook and Samsung and others, have invested billions, each have invested billions on VR, on development, and we're starting to see the developments coming. However, um, with this early adoption stage, the quality needs to improve, the price needs to come down before we start seeing widespread adoption. And it's currently quite a fragmented market. Um, there are places that uh, VR has been u- being used at events. Uh, the novelty is a strong attractor at sh- trade show booths, and there are le- legitimate uses for in design, for example, of exhibit booths or meeting room setups before you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a design and exhibit booth to be able to virtually walk through it. So there are ways that can be used. And another major uh, uh, challenge with VR it will be contract tent creation. It is an entirely new medium, and content creators are still trying to figure out what the ba- best practices are. And so I think it, there's a lot of special, uh, especially in VR, there's a long ways to go before we're there. Um, now, augmented reality, I think, is uh, will be different. It uh, augmented reality offers a view of the real world supplemented by computer-generated input of images or sound or GPS data. There's a lot of things that can be involved with that. And I, I think we're going to see explosive adoption and changes in the next few years um, in the near term through uh, mobile devices. Uh, the recent release of the iPhone X, um, it has very strong augmented reality chops built in. Android is also advancing in space, and um, AR is going to be a common feature in everyday life from uh, pointing your phone at a menu to see in th- a 3D image of food that you're going to order before you order it to see what it looks like, or virtually placing furniture in your room before purchasing it and in ikea you can do that now um, but uh, and so there's a lot of opportunities there but uh, eventually with more non-intrusive uh, looking glasses for example uh, such as an uh, in intel's new vault glasses which projects a, a laser actually directly onto your retina uh, and it's very they look like normal glasses they become more widely used with heads-up displays and um Google Glass, for example, is augmented reality. It was a great idea, but it's just too geeky to be accepted. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's uh, you're seeing uh, these type ten trends or through um, um, audio augmented reality. There are different ways they can do it. AR is also a new medium, and it's requ- going to require development by um, of be- best practices by content creators. It's a uh, um, the uh, I think the fact that you can see the real world w- w- and others interacting with this provides greater opportunities for collaborate, uh, collaboration and for learning in a group environment. And uh, VR, um, it's unlike VR, which completely currently isolates you from your surroundings. And uh, eventually they will, uh, with 
uh, uh, VR game playing and so forth. You're going to be bringing in other avatars essentially to, to interact with. But it's uh, uh, I think that augmented reality it's, uh, has more opportunities for group c- collaboration and learning. Mm. That's a very interesting perspective, that idea of sort of the group versus the individual. And it, it sounds like you, you think we're going to see more happening with AR in, in the near term um, than with, with VR. Um, but uh, it sounds like with both two, you see this idea of, of content creation and really figuring out how best to um, create the learning that's going to exist in these environments. Um, and and that uh, definitely rings true for me. It seems like it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be a new skill for everyone to learn in terms of how to uh, develop and deliver in that environment. So we've touched on, on virtual meetings, we've touched on AR and VR, and you even mentioned uh, AI in, in um, one of your answers already, but and maybe you want to mention it again here, but I'm just curious about kind of what other trends um, do you see impacting meetings and events and the learning that happens at those meetings and events? Oh, sure. I think uh, one of the most significant ones is in mobile technology in general. Uh, it's bringing a new level of engagement to event participants with uh, mobile polling and surveys and second screen technology and networking technology and business matchmaking and social media and the list goes on and on. They are um, all leading to a fuller, richer event experience. Uh, and I think that will continue to do so. Every, even technology laggers are bringing, uh, carrying around smartphones now, and so it's a it's a medium that people can use and are using increasingly at events. Um, also, technology is providing much uh, better detail regarding an attendee journey in events. Uh, I used to call the on-site event the black hole of event data management. You had computers uh-huh. before and after, but during the event you were flying blind. Um, now we have um, many ways to determine uh, attendees uh, through their actions and interactions with a mobile event, uh, event app or through beacon technology or mo- social media analytics or many pl- ways that can be done. Uh, they give very granular detail about what their interests are in an event. And so it's a, and I think that. We can use that to um, improve the event experience for that uh, individual in a much more targeted way, uh, to use it to improve events in general, and also uh, to contact attendees um, for corporations, for customers, essentially in a much more targeted manner. So data analytics and all the myriad of data collection tools that are evolving events have uh, brought the events front and center to an overall marketing campaign for corporations and also really important for improving uh, member satisfactions for associations. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting point, that idea that, that the event itself used to be this sort of the, the black hole, the, the desert where there wasn't the data. And now, thanks to um, mobile in particular, there's so much more data now. Do you find that a lot of organizations are... Um, aware of that data and making use of that data? Or is that still sort of now we have the data and now we need to figure out how we make use of it? It's getting better all the time. Uh, The uh, newer cloud-based software systems are um, at their heart mobile enabled and built to share information. So the newer technologies that are coming out there make that process a much simpler 
a process than it has been in the past. And so that's a uh, that's one component that uh, is is helpful for that. And so I uh, and and people are I think it's up to the software companies to uh, develop their analytics engines and make them uh, accessible to other uh, companies with that. And that's, that's a process is becoming a lot easier than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So it, uh, it, go ahead. Another technology that I think is, is happening for events or how it's changing is just that uh, uh, it's working to make uh, the event experience much more friction free uh, Advances in registration technology, such as facial recognition and other means of uh, uh, lead exchange and so forth, will shorten registration lines and, in general, make um, for a more individualized and customized experience for event participants. So there are many ways that technology is coming in to improve the business process for events. Mm. Well, that's great. Um, and so I know that because you work with so many different organizations and you're helping different groups, you know, optimize their use of, of technology at meetings. And so I'm thinking since you have sort of this access to this, this broad sampling of data, you know, are there typical missteps um, and or do you have high level advice for listeners who want to make sure they're doing what they should be doing in terms of um, technology and, and meetings and Yes, I realize that I've just thrown a couple of really big questions out there, but I would welcome your thoughts on, on both of those. Well, on the first, on the major level, techno- technology is not an end. It's a means to an end and hopefully for a better event experience. So, so the first question is, uh, my, my recommendation is the first question to ask when using new technologies or th- considering it is, what are your goals and objectives in using it? How, how do you expect that that will improve the event for the attendee, for the exhibitor, for the event planner or show manager, and and how will you measure and quantify those successes? And so, those are the things that you you start with the basics. And it, uh, there are a lot of bells and whistles technologies out there that you can throw in just for fun. Uh, but I think uh, that broader perspective of really what your uh, how does this fit into the meetings, events, events and goals, and and make sure that those align as you develop those new te- or consider new technologies. Hmm. It's always very good to have the the uh, goal in mind, and like you said, to make sure that you realize that the technology is is a means and not an end. Um, so, you know, if you think really big picture about kind of what's going on these days at the intersection of, of meetings and technology and learning, um, that intersection that we've been, been talking about. Are there any developments or, or changes that, that get you excited or, or that get you worried? Um, I think that events and learning in general will change, likely change more in the ni- next five years than they have in the last 15 due to technology. So there are new ideas and innovations that are popping up like mushrooms. I, I think that um, online learning will, as I mentioned, transform education at all levels as we know. Uh, um, people will learn from customized modules based on their learning styles and interests and ability. Group learning will be very uh, important to discuss and analyze content. And for events, speakers will become, as I mentioned, less dispensers of information and more facilitators of learning. I'm very excited about the opportunities that are coming. 
Well, that's great. I like that idea because obviously technology then allows us to do more of that customization, more of that personalization of the learning for the individual. But I like too that you also mentioned the the group learning that's still going to remain important. And and again, I liked what you were saying in terms of kind of drawing that delineation between AR and VR in terms of kind of AR having more of that collaborative potential, at least in the near term. Um, so we'll, we'll turn a little bit away from um, kind of your areas of expertise. And I want to ask you a question that we ask of everyone who comes on the Leading Learning Podcast. And since our, our listeners are in the business of, of lifelong learning, we like to focus on um, the learning that our interviewees are doing um, after they've left their, their formal education uh, experience, you know, after they left college or graduate school. So uh, for you, what has been one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in as an adult since finishing up your formal education? Hmm, I will. Th- I think I'll contradict myself a little bit when I was talking about uh, um, didactic speakers and so forth. That although um, I have just said that technology will have a huge impact on learning, I think the most powerful learning experiences I've had as an adult at events have been when gifted speakers um, transform how I looked at things. Uh, DeWitt Jones, a National Geographic photographer speaking on creativity, or uh, Mark Scherenbeutsch talking about making connections, or just to name two of the dozens of great speakers I've seen over the years. They've left me inspired and floating as I left the sessions. A, a skilled a professional speaker I believe can change lives and can have a very strong impact at events. And so it's a combination that's outside of technology, but it's a combination of, of using technology to prove the process. But I think there's a space for um, excellent speakers to make a difference as well. Mm. well. I think it's like you were saying that um, there's a lot of potential for um, technology to support um learning, but that people will continue you know, to gather for the uh, place-based uh, learning as well. And it sort of seems like, um, similarly how so many people say, well, you know, the, the lecture um, isn't the best way to learn. We need to have, you know, more hands-on learning. And yet there are the excellent lectures. There are these great speakers that really can move us and inspire us. So I think that's uh, a, a good point to be reminded of. And so a uh, last question, just as if um, listeners want to know more about you and your work, where, where should they go? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, uh, there are a number of ways, but uh, many can be found at my website, CorbinBall.com. It has a ton of free content on events and trade show technology. You can also subscribe there at my website, subscribe to my free bi-monthly newsletter, uh, and there are links to follow me on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is CorbinBall. Uh, LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So, uh, um, but the, going to my website, CorbinBall.com is a, a good kickoff points for all of those. Well, great. Thank you so much for making time for the conversation, Corbin. Happy to do so, Celissa. My pleasure. That wraps up our interview with Corbin Ball. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 139. And there you'll find access to the Tagoras virtual events report that we mentioned as a resource for this episode. While you're there at the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. 
We'd also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes, and that'll put you in the right place. Salise and I personally appreciate your rating and reviews, but more importantly, those reviews and ratings really play an important role in helping the podcast to pop up when would-be listeners are searching for content on learning and leading. So consider leaving a rating and a review for the Leading Learning Podcast as, well, one of your kind acts of today. And we'd be grateful if you'd take a minute to visit our sponsor for this quarter, Review My LMS. Jeff and I put a lot of time and energy into the Leading Learning Podcast, and one of the main reasons we're able to do that is because we're able to generate revenue through other sources like Review My LMS. So please visit ReviewMyLMS.com, and if you can, contribute a review to help others find the right platform for their needs. Finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send a tweet. In fact, we challenge you to send a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that'll pop up a tweet that you can send out just by clicking the button. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, just take that language, put it into another social network of your choice, or put it into your mouth and walk down the hall and tell somebody about the Leading Learning Podcast. But whatever you do, please help to spread the good word. Thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.